following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! Cowboys! Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. Season 17, episode number 102. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And we got another lovely show planned for you guys today. Hopefully here in a moment we'll be joined by Dave Hellman. He's out at the Senior Bowl. He'll give us some updates from out there and what's going on uh, at the Senior Bowl, Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. Had an opportunity to talk to Jerry and Will. I'm sorry, not Jerry. Stephen Jones and Will McClay. Uh, so we'll hear what he had to say, what those guys had to say, and, and what Dave's takes on it are. How's everybody doing today? Good. We good? Yeah. I mean, it's here on a holiday, you know. <laughs> we'll do it. Doing some work here. We don't take Groundhog's Day off around here. We do not. We do not. Not all of us, anyway. Some of us do. Don't get me started. I'm sorry, guys. No, I'm not getting you started. We're talking about some in-house BS. Yeah. It's all right. It's it's all good. It's all good. We're going to figure this thing out. Um, Let's start where last week I said we're going to start each show. uh, Just kind of loosening ourselves up. This is our warm-up into the show, but we're going to go around the table and get some thoughts from you guys on... Uh, the most important or interesting uh, sports nugget that you've heard in the last week, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Mm. Let's start with you, Amber. Me? Yeah. Well, we all know about Tom Brady yeah. and, and his retirement and everything and all the years of success that he's had. And me looking at social media, you know, there's always that vast majority of people that also like to criticize and talk and mm-hmm. Just haters, and I, lo- I saw a lot of comments, and then just people criticizing Tom Brady. So then that led me to do some investigation a little bit because I I didn't know about certain things. People talking about the whole he's like, well, he's a cheater, and this and that. <laughs> the whole, and then I learned about like Spygate thing and Deflategate and, and, yeah, and all these things that. that happen. <laughs> that you know, I by the time I started working here and and in, in sports. I didn't know anything about that, and I wasn't aware of all that happening. So I'm like, okay, but <laughs> I mean, then it, it let me. It took me down this rabbit hole where you start, okay, what about Bill Belichick, and, and how <laughs> how how real is he, and then what is Bill Belichick without a Tom Brady? Well, we saw that, and then I just went down that that rabbit hole of just kind of learning the history a little bit of what happened between you know Tom Brady, the Patriots, Bill Belichick. That's some and interesting stuff, his right? Reputation, Cell yes. Phones. Cell phones. Oh, you just sent her down another rabbit hole. <laughs> She's got to go figure all that out. Then there's something about Deflate Gate with Tom Brady, and like, well, he texted the ball boys yeah. before the game, and it's like, Tom, let me see your phone. He's like, it got smashed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> my job is to hang on to the football and don't fumble it, but my cell phone got smashed. Sorry. It happens. It happens. You know. Oh, I, I, yeah. When you said cell phone, the thing that popped into my head was the whole text that that's, we're recently. Uh, that's another that story. Might be. No, that, that's going to be. I'm sure one <laughs> of us will, can, will probably have, have something to say about that. Nick, what, what's been the, the big story for oh, you this week? 
I mean, the big story, obviously, NFL, stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't shift over really to NBA or anything to later. I mean, college basketball is always interesting to me. And, you know, I'm sorry. I watched last night's game, and I just – it's funny to me. It's just funny because it's like if you have – You're talking about Texas, Texas Tech. You're talking about Texas and Texas Tech. And, yeah. and, and the head coach of Texas, who's now – uh, who was at Texas? Who was at Texas Tech? Built their program. Built their program, yeah. and, and he left it better than than yeah. where it was, um, obviously. But uh, you know, it's like he went to Texas. It, if you like went to school, there. he went to school there. Yeah. If you're going to yeah. go back to your place, you can go to. And, and I'm sorry, I've been to Lubbock twice, <laughs> and I haven't spent the night either time. It's there and back. Nobody stays there long, so I don't understand <laughs> what the big problem is. But whatever, they, you know, they they won. They won the game. That's yeah, fine. They destroyed us. Yeah, that they won good. I mean, it was the Super Bowl in love yeah, Jesus. It was. But um, you know, but that's kind of their fan base. That's what it is. I mean, you got if you, what else are you going to get excited about? But I just thought it was kind of petty. But you just taking shots at, at the Lubbock folks. I've done it before. I've done it before, <laughs> and now they bring it back and whatever. But it's just it, it, that's that's if you would have one fan base to get pissed off like that and just oh, they were create mad. it. Yeah, that's fine, and they they won the game. But I mean. I think he'll sleep fine. When I saw the coach walking out with a uh, a stream of police officers around him, I was like, "Wow, is it that serious?" <laughs> like, I, coaches have left places yeah. before. I didn't realize it was that serious. But yeah. hey, I knew going into that game, it was an uphill battle. Those they're they're a nests. good team on top of the fact that they just hate yeah. our coach. So it is what it is. I, I wanted to talk about your college basketball well, team because my college basketball team, you know, I you don't want to you don't want to mess with a with a winning streak. You don't even talk. Yeah, about don't it. even talk about it. Don't even talk about it. We don't know what that's Gabe like, rolling. but. Yeah, yeah. Right. they All win right. seven in a row. Oh, oh, yeah, they're good at basketball, but not football. Huh? True, not true. A good football team. I swept the floor. I swept the floor this he did. year. I beat Derek. We're not going to ever hit the end team, of this. and, <laughs> and uh, Rob's team and Dave's team. Yeah, I I beat them. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> All me. Hey. Is there a trophy upstairs for that? There might be. Hey, as soon as as soon as we make this transition to the SEC, there will be. Trust me, we'll do oh, yeah. something. Bell. We'll have some fun. You gotta with have that. something with that. A yeah, yeah, we're gonna have some fun with that be for sure. All right, what do you think, Derek? What's your sports story? I, it's the story everybody in the NFL is talking about. Yeah. It's Brian Flores and what's happening mm. with him in the NFL. And actually, I wanted to read this quote uh, from Brian Flores talking about the suit against the NFL. He said. God has gifted me with a special talent to coach the game of football, but the need for change is bigger than my personal goals. In making the decision to file the class action complaint today, I understand that I may be risking coaching the game that I love, and that has done so much for my family and me. My sincere hope is that by standing up against systemic racism in the NFL, others will join me to ensure that positive change is made for generations to come. The reason why I wanted to read that is because I just wanted to say, uh, I really wanted to just salute Brian Flores, uh, mainly because, and I'll, I'll tell you like this, this morning I saw on television, uh, there were a number of television stations where they were talking about fair hiring practices. Uh, I was driving into work. I jumped around a couple different radio stations. Both were talking about hiring uh, um, um, hiring practices. And and the interesting thing about this topic is this is not just an NFL issue. This is an, NFL, this is an issue that affects our entire workforce in America. This is not just about the NFL. And and so what I the way I look at this is regardless of what happens in the court case, all the merits of that, they'll figure all that out in court. What I love about this is Brian Flores has reignited the conversation around fair hiring practices and making sure that everybody gets fair opportunity, whether that be people of color, whether that be women, like everybody should have a fair shot 
in this in this job market, and and not just in the ability to get jobs, but the ability to get higher jobs, to get leadership type roles and leadership type positions. And so I just want I think there's no better way we could have started uh, Black History Month than him doing something like this, because this is what Black History Month is all about. It's all those pioneers that continue to relentlessly and even put themselves and their own careers in jeopardy. They continue to fight the fight to say, this is not just, we need better hiring practices, and and we're willing to put their own careers on the line. And so I salute Brian Flores for doing that. And hopefully this conversation continues, and hopefully we find some better solutions, uh, because right now I don't know that what, what they have in place is necessarily working. Well said. I mean, you're right. And, you know, that situation, I talked to you about this yesterday, it kind of hits close to home. And we don't have to go through the whole story. But if, you know, just Google A Bar Rouse. A Bar Rouse is somebody that I knew when I was in college. He was a basketball coach, a young GA at my college at Midwestern State. And he ended up going to Baylor. And he ended up being the whistleblower for what happened with Dave Bliss and what that whole situation there. And he never got a job again. And, and, and the coaches said that that would never happen. And he did the right thing. A Bar Rouse, if you don't know him, you should Google him and, and look him up in his story. He's probably, I think he's like a PE teacher right now uh, when he should have been coaching college basketball. But he did the right thing. And hopefully it doesn't happen like that for, you know, Brian Flores and and other people that stand up and do what the right thing is. Well, we know of him. What we know is Brian Flores is a good coach. What he did in Miami, I think that's a good coach, um, being able to build that program to the point where they were. They didn't make the playoffs, but they were a very competitive team, extremely competitive team. I I don't know what your thought is on this, but I've said this earlier. If Harbaugh leaves Michigan, if I'm Michigan – I'm signing making that phone call right now. Yeah, because you think about how many parents would say, "I want my son to play for him," because he's going to do the right thing. He's going to take care of him. He's going to stand up for people. Yeah, and 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 not sound like Michigan's not a great job or any any job that's open like that. I think college is the way to go because people have the choice to go and play for you. Yep, I agree with that. All right, we are joined right now by Mr. Dave Hellman out there in Mobile, Alabama. Dave, what's up, man? I'll tell you what's up, man. Uh, this is hey, look. I mean, we love our jobs, right? I'm definitely not complaining, but yeah. side. This is the side of the gig that they don't glamorize. Uh, <laughs> I am standing in the rain at Hancock Whitney Stadium, and I'm I'm bird bird dogging the Joneses, uh, the the Cowboys front office, the Jones family. Actually, I mean, Stephen Stephen Jones is here. Obviously, we had a chance to speak with him yesterday, but. Uh, just to take you behind the scenes of what this job is like, you know, you get here, you coordinate with the people you need to coordinate with, like, hey, we're going to be able to talk to Steven today. We're going to get Will. That would be great. We can, you know, set ourselves up for a nice week or two of content. We'll check in with them for the first time since the season ended. So you get all that done. You go back and you write your stories, and you're like, wow, that was a full and fulfilling and productive day, and now I'm kind of done, and I can take a deep breath and, like, go to dinner. And then you get a text from a reporter friend that's like, Jerry Jones is holding court in the bar downtown. He should probably be here. And I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't know Jerry was here, too. So uh, Jerry, Jerry's here, and so I'm, I'm bird-dogging the front office. Uh, we, also, we call it playing defense. I'm yeah. basically I'm just trying to make sure Jerry Jones isn't giving an interview that I'm not part of. It's uh, why we sent so, you, Dave. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you get you get to cover a lot of cool events. You get to meet a lot of people. But every now and then you have to stand in the rain and spy on people. It's yeah. great. Yeah, <laughs> it's the hard part of the job. It's what you were meant for, Dave. You're good at it. Um, you know what? 
I'm I'm re- I'm ready for it. I I get some kind of sick thrill out of this. I have to be honest. So. <laughs> All right. So so going back to your time with Stephen and Will, what were give me give me a couple things that were intriguing that you may have heard from them uh, during the, the the interview that you conducted earlier this week. You know, it's fun. It's interesting. I was talking to a, a reporter friend of mine who's down here about this last night. Is like this is. This is a. I feel like it's a unique year where like there, there's less going on with the Cowboys than in a typical year, in my opinion. Like there's just no looming question, like a you know a DAC contract extension or like a franchise tag stare down. Like we don't have that domineering storyline yet. But I actually wrote a story about this this morning. I don't know if it's on the site yet. Um, Not yet. Okay, that's fine. I mean, that's fine, it. but because it, it's going, it's, I think it's preview. The it. gist I'm the gist I'm trying to get at is, I think we're setting up for an interesting couple of months here because the Cowboys have some decisions to make that are that are gonna shake things up, and that's one thing Stephen touched on uh, yesterday when I talked to him is they're twenty million over the cap right now, and. And they obviously have a bunch of like key free agents that they would probably like to try to resign. So, how do they get under the cap? How do they find money for those guys? Who do they try to find money for? Um, obviously, you can restructure Dak's deal pretty easily, but other than that, you kind of got to make some interesting decisions when you look at like, should we restructure a Zeke contract? Should we restructure an offensive lineman's contract? A lot of talk about Amari Cooper. So. I think my main takeaway right now is that it's like it's very quiet in cowboy world right now, and I don't know for some reason I just feel like that feels ominous to me. Yeah, it does, and I, I think Nick and I were—I'll mention Nick and I were talking off the air about just looking at the salary cap, and there's—we're going to get into that next week. Next week, a topic of our show is going to be around free agency and uh, and even talking a little bit about some of the guys that are under contract. But there are some significant contract savings the Cowboys could make if they made some decisions to part with some veterans, uh, which is going to make some for for really in- interesting conversation for the Cowboys to try to figure out what's worth it. Do you keep the guy? And continue to pay him the money, or do you let him go? And you might have some dead money, but the amount of money that you save could be significant in being able to give you more cap relief. Yeah, I mean to be, and again, like I haven't heard anything. This is really just more connecting tea leaves. But again, a, a guy like Amari Cooper, a mm-hmm. guy like Demarcus Lawrence, yep. like you sit there and you look at it, and you're like, mm, I'm not saying this is a good idea, but I could see how that winds up being a conversation that maybe you move on from those guys. So. Uh, I just think, I don't know, I think we could be setting up for an eventful march one way or the other, whether the Cowboys restructure their current roster or even if it's kind of boring, like you look at the guys on this team that don't have deals right now, like Randy Gregory, Dalton Schultz, Jaron Curse. I mean, there's going to be some attrition there. So, um, yeah, I think it kind of dawned on me while I was talking to Steven yesterday. I was like, okay, it feels kind of boring right now, but I have a feeling it's going to be kind of dramatic by February or March. Yeah. Dave, uh, you know, we talked about Kellen Moore, and he's still in the in the process right now of of, of everything. He's with the um, interviewing with the Dolphins, uh, which I don't know. The Dolphins may have other things that they're they're worried about <laughs> right now too. But <laughs> kind of busy. <laughs> but um, did you get the sense that Stephen was like, yeah, I mean, Kellen, we 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 love for him to come back, but if he doesn't. We'll be all right. I mean, that's what it, that's what it kind of sounded like when he was talking to yes. you. Yes, 
Absolutely. That's that's what it sounded like to me. And he actually, there was like a Freudian moment where I asked him about, I asked him about like the uh, uncertainty with Kellen, and he ba- he basically was like, "Well, that's what's so big about Dan coming back." And then he kind of cut himself off and was like, "Yeah, but like we really love Kellen." And I was like, "Okay, you sound like you were a lot more worried about one of these guys." <laughs> right. Than the other. And then the other, like again, going behind the scenes, like I had a, I kind of kicked myself last night because I asked him about, you know, do you work on a contingency plan if Kellen leaves? Like, how much are you stressed about that? And he basically, I mean, he said he was like, "We're not worried about that because Mike McCarthy's background is all offense, and he's got play calling history." And like in the moment, I, I, I it didn't register that much with me. And then later, I was like, "I should have asked him if he was talking about Mike calling plays." Call plays, yeah. And I mean, that's it. Seemed like that's what he was hinting at, but it didn't dawn on me to just ask the question directly. So you know, I apologize for that, well, but don't, it is. Don't worry okay. about it. Don't worry about it, Dave, because like usually that is like 10 people there and everyone's trying to fight to get a question in. When you're the one that's asking all of them, like you're trying to be a, a one shot ahead of it and you're like, okay, okay. And, yeah. and sometimes that happens when you're, you're thinking of your next question and then they're like, yeah. And then I, you know, and then they oh, say, and then I'm, so- I might retire and you're like, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is. Hey, Jerry Madelon, he was just joking. He doesn't really mean that. Go ahead, finish. <laughs> this is as Sometimes bare bones as senior bowl as I can remember. I mean, yeah, you're right, Nick. It, 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 Jory Epstein, our friend from USA Today, is the only other Cowboy reporter that's here. So her and I just went back and forth with Steven for like 20 minutes, and I was like, I, I think I got everything, but I wouldn't mind it if there were like two or three other reporters here who could maybe fill in some gaps that I yeah. forgot about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, there was definitely an implication like that. That's where his brain went when he was asked about Kellen Moore not being here. Like, well, Mike's got a background with that, so it, it does make me wonder if Kellen is to leave. And I mean, Jerry said last week he's optimistic that Kellen's not going anywhere. Um, but if he does, I I don't know. I just sort of get the sense that their contingency plan might just be to handle it in house. But you know, that's also the part that kind of worries me a little bit about that whole thing is. Yeah, Mike has that experience, and so as the head coach, why didn't he have more of an imprint on, or did he have an imprint, and it just didn't work on helping this offense get out of the out of the, the out of the trash can? Like they were they were struggling in the second half of the year, and and Kellen couldn't seem to figure it out. And I don't know if Mike was helping, and they still couldn't get out, or if Mike really wasn't helping enough. Either way, that seems problematic for a guy that has all that experience as a play caller, right? I don't remember if I said it on this show, but I spent a lot of the second half of the season expecting for a story to break about Mike injecting himself into the play calling situation or just outright taking over play calling duties. Like I just, I just had this like lingering feeling. I was like, I'm going to wake up one of these Sunday mornings and there's going to be a Schefter report about Mike McCarthy taking over play calling duties, but it never happened. So Yeah, I I kind of agree with you. I think I mean, given the struggles that we saw consistently for nine weeks, it seemed like there's more that Mike could have done. And I uh, yeah, I wonder if that's just the balancing act of what Kellen's accomplished here and how highly the front office thinks of him. I don't get the sense that there's any friction there, but I I did think that was kind of curious. I agree with you. 
All right, Dave, we're going to let you go, man. You uh, you, you keep keep holding down the fort there. I know it's raining. Hopefully you guys can get back before the uh, snowmageddon here in Dallas. Uh, but if not, we will see you in a few days when you get back. And uh, we'll be uh, checking out all your work on DallasCowboys.com. Yeah. I appreciate that. Keep your uh, keep your fingers crossed that my 7.30 flight doesn't get canceled, please. All right. Let's see what we can do. And, and be careful when you get in tonight. It, it might already be coming down a little bit, so I just need you guys to be really, really careful, all right? Will do. Thanks, man. Talk all right. We'll see you all later. Bye, Dave. All right. We're going to take our first break. When we come back, we got the break awards. This is going to be uh, our shot at giving uh, accolades to players that should deserve it and some that, that maybe shouldn't have – uh, that don't want these awards, but we're going to give them out anyway. So when we come right back, this is DallasCowboys.com Radio. At AT&T, everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call and teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone, new and existing customers, our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone, even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network is busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. The Cowboys way. Where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at Stetson.com cowboys. to the break. Whether you're watching from home or cheering in the stands with Essilor lenses, you'll see every exciting play. Book an appointment at your local Essilor experts and find the perfect Essilor lens for you. See more, do more Essilor. Welcome back. Second segment of The Break Life in SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And welcome to the 2021 season Break Awards. We are now going to go through a list of players and moments that we want to uh, highlight. And we're going to start first with... What do you guys think is the was the best win of 2021 season for the Cowboys? Well, for me, I will say week two against the Chargers. I think that was the best win. I think that's where we saw a lot of things kind of happen. We saw them uh, figure out that what Micah Parsons can really do, and I think that changed the whole defense. Uh, I think it was a it was a great win. It was a last second victory. It was a fun atmosphere with Cowboy fans there. Tony Pollard had a great day doing some things. Uh, we saw the aggressiveness of the punt 
Uh, the, it was funny about the punt block that they almost blocked it, and they called a penalty. And what's Bones doing? He's trolling, and then they ended up blocking four punts that year. Um, you know, and so it was just kind of a, a, an interesting day. But when you look back and see how things, especially with Micah Parsons, and I think it was that was their their best win because you can't go zero and two to start the season, and, and they made sure that they didn't. All right, Amber. That's the same one I had, but then another one that I was thinking about was that at the time and we know the Patriots didn't have a good season but at the time we were here sitting here oh what are they going to do against Bill Belichick this and that how can they do that and the fact that they went out there and won that game I think it was a big win for the Cowboys at the time and I know Dave uh, we, we ranked all 12 of our wins and I know Dave's answer to that is the Patriots as well yeah and actually that's what I was going to say as well just I look at the quality of that team I know they weren't as good as we expect the Patriots to be the years that they've been uh, yeah. top of the league. But they were a good team this year, and and they were doing that with a, a quarterback that just, you know, he wasn't the, the leader of what they did, but he fit in the system. It reminded me so much of what Tom Brady was his first year as well. Like, he would make a throw or two a game, but really it was relying on the defense, it was relying on the running game, and the Cowboys had to gut out that win. They had to figure it out. Sure. And to be honest with you, that was the last time we saw this Cowboys offense in that form. Like after that game, yeah, they did it against some mm-hmm. poor teams, but we didn't really see that Cowboys team after that game. But that game, I thought they played. Uh, they played a game where they didn't even play their best football, but they figured out a way to win against a really good team. And that was really the last time we saw them do that this season. So for me, that was the win that yeah. that was the best one for the season. Vikings would have been uh, as close to the Vikings going up there winning in that in that atmosphere without Dak. Coming back the way they did, that yeah. was another good one. All right, let's move on. MVP of the team. Who was the most valuable player for this team? <laughs> Micah. I mean, is there another answer to that? I think not. So Micah Parsons, I don't think there's anything else needed to be said or explained for that guy. Well, um, <laughs> let me tell you, it's um, Micah Parsons. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's – He's changed the whole defense, and that's why I think that that Chargers game was the one because that's the one we found out. Oh, he can rush the passer too, yeah. you know. And um, you know, he he's he's outstanding, and and just he just brings so much attitude. And, and I said it to you at one point. I thought they could win. I thought they could win it all. I really did. And I thought if Micah Parsons is healthy, um, this team has a chance. And they did have a chance. I mean, they they lost to a team that you know played better that day. I don't know if they are better. They yeah. played better. And um, but but I think Michael Parsons is the reason that the defense was able to play the way they did. When you look at uh, Michael Parsons, and um, I mean in his rookie year, he was being uh, touted as a possible defensive player of year. Maybe still gets it. I don't know, but possible defensive player of the year across the entire league, uh, veterans included. Um, when is the last time you remember Dallas having a player? That good. I mean, when you when you stack him up against other guys around the league, he's right up there at the top, and he's that caliber of player. Like, when is the last time we had that kind of player on this team? You're like you're looking at me like not since I've been. There. I mean, you yeah. you've been here. Way I mean, you can make the I argument for offensive line like a Zach Martin. I, I guess I want to get difference to, makers. Though. Yeah, I want to yeah. I want to get to that guy that that changes games. When's the last time we had that kind of guy? I think the last time they've had that kind of guy is Demarcus Ware. And you can make the case that that what Parsons did is, I mean Parsons had a better rookie year, yeah. I know that. And so, um, and and one of the things about Demarcus that always kind of, you know, that we always talked about was that 
some of his sacks weren't always at the time where you know that really changed the games to go win the game and stuff like that. Um, but you know he still had more than anybody that's ever played the, for the Cowboys. So, yeah, um, that matters. It does, and, and he was great. And he was that kind of player and, and lived lived at the Pro Bowl every year. And so I, I think he's the closest thing. And then that's before you know anything before that. I yeah. not since I was here, but you know I could say even back in the '90s, I don't think there was a defensive player other than than Dion. Yeah, because Dion definitely changed it. Um, but you know the team was kind of going downhill at that point. And that's so special. I think the the reason why I asked that question is because that's that is a special thing to have that caliber of player. Because they're, if you use them the right way, there's so many other things you can do based off that player and how much attention other teams yeah. will have to pay, pay to that player. Uh, and it just requires someone who's creative enough yeah. to know how to use them. Yeah. Now, for a player like that, real quick, you know, and since I've been here, you start seeing every year how the team looks different and this and that. And then you talk about a player, uh, what's the name for like wear and tear? Or how do you mm-hmm. say that for a wear player? Wear and tear, that works. Wear and tear. Yeah. Um, so for a player like that, I know that was his first year and everything, but given as much as he's done and as aggressive on a play, of a player that he is and all that for that position and what he's doing, what would be like the player life spam for someone like him where you want to be able to yeah. at least get further than the first playoff game within his time here? That we Basically that we don't go through another... Yeah. Team restructuring the team, and then now you lost another amazing player. And I know he's super young, but I mean, yeah. it, I don't know that there is a standard, like you know, because that's the thing about the NFL. It takes one injury to change everything yeah, for yeah. any player, right? Um, I would guess right now the Cowboys probably look at this guy and say we could have him if he keeps playing like this. We could have him playing here 10, 12 years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe more, but 10, 12 years, I would think they probably feel pretty good about something like that if he continues to produce and doesn't have any major injuries. 10, 12 years, years seems about what yeah. I would think, at least. That's the way I look at it. He's a 10 to 12-year kind of guy that'll be here and be really effective during that time. Yeah, and that's that's about right. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to say, predict anything yeah. other than that. Uh, yeah. And you don't even like to do that, to go that far. But, yeah, I mean, he's... He's, he's Can you see good. him getting better than what he's shown you? Because yes. I feel like he's, I mean, he's shown you so much, so you know, but, or whatever, yeah. but you, you feel like there is a big chunk of how much more he can here's, do. Here's, here's, I do. I believe. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I believe it too. And the, the weird thing about Micah is, is that the reason why the Cowboys were able to get him at 12 and that nobody really knew he was a pass rusher is because he didn't play football the year before at Penn State. The weird thing to me is that knowing a little bit that that we know of Micah, I am shocked to hell that he that he didn't play that season because mm-hmm, he right. loves football yeah, so yeah. much that it's just surprising that he opted out of that season. Now, part of that, at least what I've understood about that situation, was he opted out at the time when, or he he decided he wasn't going to play at a time when they were thinking the Big Twelve, Big Ten was not going to play. And and at that point, I think there may have been some kind of some gray area there of you know I'm not playing, and then the Big Ten's going to play, and, and so play. he decided not yeah, to come okay. back. I, that's what I've heard. I don't know that as a fact, but I've heard it some some of that. It wasn't just a simple I'm not going to play football. That's My team's true. playing, but I'm not going to play. I think there was some of that involved there. Yeah, but to answer your question, yeah, I think he I think he can get better because I think he he's going to keep studying. You know, yeah. I mean, I just 
God, I wish Sean Lee, I wish they could have played like uh-huh. one year together, you yeah. know, just one year, just because I think Sean, you know, if, if, if a guy that with an athletic ability that like that can get the work ethic and leadership and, and, and hunger for the game like Sean Lee had. But, but what I've heard of him is that he's, he's doing that. So I wouldn't be surprised if he hasn't or will plan to sit down with Sean Lee at some point and talk to him. He did it with uh, Demarcus Ware. He did it with Tank. Like he's he's well, seeking out people. Of, uh, yeah. Huff, he comes here. Yeah, comes here. Yeah, he's so seeking sure out he, people. Yeah. yeah, he's seeking out people to get advice from and to learn more about what he's doing. It was that that report the week before he was playing the San Diego game where he went and sat with Demarcus Ware and just started mm-hmm. trying to pick his brain, playing defensive end. What do I need to know? What, mm-hmm. I mean, what are the things you would tell me, right? So I think he's that kind of player. Like you said, he loves football, and so for me, I look at it and say, yeah, he was great this year, but he certainly can grow because you, anybody. You take your first time, you do it. I don't care how good you are at it. There's so much you learn. And if you apply all the things you learn, that just tells you that's his floor, right? Now his ceiling can be wherever. Like, we don't know how much better this guy can be, but I suspect it's going to be better because he's going to actually learn things. My brain can't really even begin to process what that can look like. After seeing what we saw from him this year, I'm just like, oh, my God, what else? What more can he do? He's he's just amazing. All right, we're going to move on. Let's get... Did you have something, Nick? I would say my next guy on most valuable player, and I don't want to go down a rabbit hole here, but I would throw Zeke into the conversation a little bit. Really? Because of the term most valuable player. When he is playing at his high level, this team was way better. When he suffered the injury and couldn't do the same things, the the offense didn't do as well. And I, I think the value of a running back, a healthy top tier running back is valuable for this team and I don't think they had it down the second part of the season here's the question I think a lot of people out there listening right now would probably have which is well is that also a reflection of the fact in the second half they didn't use Tony Pollard more and if they would have they would have still seen similar type of production maybe and 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 so then it becomes a situation of it may have not been necessarily Zeke as much as they needed to put the best running back in the moment in at the beginning of the season, maybe that was Zeke. Toward the second of the half of the year when Zeke was injured, maybe that was Pollard, remember, and they should have done more with remember him. Remember Pollard got hurt for a few games, True, too. He did. A pretty tough he injury. Did. So, But I, I, I but think, those last two games, to get, what, it was six, yeah. six carries in those two games? Like, that's that's not... I, I think I think a running back that, that can play at a top level, and I'm not sure that that's Zeke anymore. I don't know. But that they miss that, and they need that, and Dak yeah. needs it. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, let's uh, let's jump into the uh, offensive player of the year. Who's the offensive player of the year for this team? I guess are you saying Zeke? No, I mean like no because that's he didn't he didn't do it the second half of the year. But, but MVP and player of the year are different. Yep. You know, um, player of the year, best player, offensive player of the year. <sighs> I'm just gonna go with the cop out. I'm just gonna go with the cop out. Well, it's the right answer though, and Zach. No, that wasn't going to be the answer. <laughs> what? Zach Martin? No, what, what was What's your... the right answer? I went with the first team all pro. I don't know what you've got, but I went with first team all pro. What's your answer? You're probably right if you just, Dak. you know, it was, I was going to say Dak just because, again, it, here's the thing about Dak. Undefeated when he didn't play. Uh, and here's the thing about Dak. Dak had his, his moments when things weren't going well. And by the way, that was his whole offense that just, they fell off. But even with all of that, they still were right up there at the top of the league when it came to most of the offensive statistics. And I know statistics are still statistics, just statistics, but they do matter. Like they are, they have their place in this whole conversation. 
And so if you're looking at this offense and you're trying to identify one player that you think had an outstanding year, you're right. It's always probably Zach Martin because Zach Martin is just so great at what he does. But the problem is when Zach Martin has a great game, it really doesn't matter if all the other four guys on that offensive line don't. So his his impact on the game is kind of minimized a bit just because of the nature of the position he plays. Mm-hmm. Dak, on the other hand, every ward, every problem is going to be magnified because he touches the ball almost every single play. I have a small sample size on that, but Dak missed the game against Minnesota. They figured it out late, and and then they were able to beat an average team. Mm-hmm. You know, on the an board. average team, an average team. Which, by the way, this year they were beating average teams, I, I and they were beating it. average teams pretty good most of them. Um, Zach missed the game against Tampa Bay, and and whether it was just that or other reasons, they chose not to even run the ball at the middle of the field. And I think it hurt them when they got down in the red zone, too. But so, they played a better game, right? Overall, would you say they played a better game against Tampa or a better game against Minnesota? Uh, Minnesota, because they won. They won. You know where I'm going, though. Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> but they won. And okay, the thing is, right. is that they were handicapped in the middle of the field. And because, and I think that was also because of the matchup, though, right? Well, like I, you're playing Vita Vea with <laughs> Connor Williams and Connor McGovern. Right. I mean, with Zach Martin, I'm not afraid of anybody. Yeah, no, that's my point. That's, I guess we're making the same point. I'm you didn't have Vita Vea. Vita Vea was not playing for the Minnesota Vikings. Break the tie. Right? I'm going with Zach. He went with Dak. <sighs> I am not picking that. <laughs> I knew I'm you're sorry. not gonna pick. No, that. I know. no. I mean, the initial when when you mentioned this, yeah. You know, the initial thought was Zach Martin, and I kept going back. I'm like, okay, who else? Who else? But there's really like nobody else that I would feel like picking because he's he you and you can say okay the position uh, minimize or whatever. But at the same time, out of the whole offense, he's the only player that was the most consistent throughout the whole year. Without, I mean, he had his moments. He had his moments, but overall, his mistakes were very, very minimal. And you cannot say that about any other player on the roster. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Tell you, Zach Martin. Sorry. All right, let's uh, fly through this next one here. All right. Uh, well, defensive player of the year, and I'm going to change it. Defensive player of the year cannot be the same as your MVP. Well, so you know, I didn't get your to say my MVP, well, that, but yeah, it I is it was easy. Mike, you said Micah. That was uh, MVP. No, what was the the what? Micah? You oh, said MVP. You said Micah. You said who else could it be? An offensive player of the year? Was that, uh, was that, yeah. So now, defense. but you said you said Micah too. Yeah, yeah. Both of y'all said Micah for, for defensive MVP. player of the year. I mean, for MVP. I'm sorry. And then offensive. I, I think we all agree that. with that. And now, defensive oh, okay. player of the year. And you if said you, it can't if be. you can't be, if can't be your MVP, so who is your defensive Diggs. player of the year? Diggs. He Diggs. broke records. He was he was outstanding. I don't care what those other websites say. He took the ball away. He was a he was a weapon because he he neutralized or took away the other team's weapon. Do you think that was also part of the problem for this team in the second half of the year, where those started to slow a bit? They weren't getting the same number of turnovers they got earlier in yeah. the year. As much as we give the offense a lot of you know the offense obviously wasn't playing at its best, but the defense also wasn't turning it over as much in the second half as they were in the first half, right? Yeah. They got one in the playoffs. I mean, Anthony Brown got yeah. a pick. I mean, they got one. And if they would have had two, which they almost did with that weird play with Kittle, they might have won the game. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, they one turnover is, is not enough, you know, especially with the offense is struggling. Yeah. But um, I think Diggs was the, was the best player other than Micah. Yeah. Um, but other than Diggs, another guy would be Randy Gregory. Yeah, and I think true. that, I mean – I absolutely don't believe that the defense would have been as successful, not even 
Diggs or Micah with now Randy Gregory in the mix. And especially during the time that Demarcus Lawrence was out, mm-hmm. I mean, it was all Randy, I feel like. So, yes, Micah Parsons can pressure and all that, but at the same time, he needs other players around him that can help him. And I think that Randy Gregory also had his fair share of mistakes and little anger rages here and there. <laughs> but uh, overall, I think he, he was a, a great player player and he contributed a lot more than what you think he did all right we're gonna go and take our first break when we come our final break i'm sorry when we come back we're gonna talk about the newcomer of the year that is not a rookie uh, and also our unsung hero we'll do that when we come right back this is dallascowboys.com radio Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with... And I'm Jay Novacek, and we're both with... United United Ag and Turf, Turf, the official tractor provider of the Dallas Cowboys. So, if you need a tractor to bale some hay, a mower to cut some grass, or a gator to get some chores done... Get a John Deere at United Ag and Turf. And then, let's get to work. Hey, Jay, that's my line. (laughs) Well, not today. Get to work with a John Deere tractor package that's just right for you and your budget. Visit unitedagandturf.com. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like, where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day, where we are all defined by one single thing, the star, where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. At AT AT&T... Everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call. And teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone, new and existing customers, our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone. Even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network is busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. To the break. April 2nd, April 3rd, two-day event is WrestleMania. The superstars of Wrestle of WWE come to AT&T Stadium. So in 2022, coming up here, April 2nd, April 3rd, two yeah, days. You going? WrestleMania? I might. I might. I'm trying to see if I can work out a deal to get Roman Reigns to come by and hang out. And if I can do that, then I'll try to get a suite. And we will invite everybody from our group except for Amber. All right. Well, if you can't do that, if you're not bougie, if you're not bougie enough to get a suite, go to SeatGeek.com, get your tickets. What was that? You got what? Uh, Bad Bunny. Oh, so, you already switched. Oh, over. you got Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny. I'll take both. It's okay. I can meet both of them and interview them. Whatever. We're trying to work but, that out. Though. I want to get you connected with Bad Bunny so you can get that interview. Like that's that's your interview. Like you know, all media people got that interview they really want. I think that's Amber's interview. Yes, yeah. I don't know how I would react. Wasn't Bad Bunny in a Royal Rumble but this week? Yes, he was. Yeah, he's, he's wrestling. He's been very involved in WrestleMania, so yeah. he yeah. So maybe we'll get that interview, and so, you'll talk to him, and the rest of everybody else so will talk to Roman Reigns. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and Bad Bunny's doing a concert, right? In November yeah. or no, September Summer. or something? September 9th. Yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, the, what's going to happen? He's going to like run out, and he's going to have a, a match, or something's going to happen at WrestleMania, and it's going to be real exciting and all that. And then in between the matches, it's going to say up at the big board, Bad Bunny comes to town <laughs> September 9th. Like, get <laughs> your, tickets your tickets now. Yeah. Welcome out, Bad Bunny, yeah. babe. That's his thing. I don't. I don't you guys know. What? I, I didn't hear. Huh? What? That's what he does. Oh, okay. I had no idea. Okay. All right. <laughs> I feel old, but okay. I, I got to, you. You. I need to update you guys. You do. You need to get me. Get me right. All right. Let's jump back into this. We're doing the break awards. Uh, we've already talked about the best win, the MVP, the offensive player of the year, the defensive player of the year. Next question or the next category is newcomer of the year. That is a non-rookie newcomer of the year. That would be a free agent. Uh, can't be a draft pick. Jaron. Okay, Jaron Curse. Safety. I mean, yeah, and he's a lot bigger because, and Dave is not here to <laughs> jump on this, but you know we've been complaining about safety forever, mm-hmm. and you know Dave and I have been very upset about it for years, and they didn't draft the safety. Wait. Trying to think, who were the draft class? They, yeah, they got did. They got McQuamu. Yeah. yeah, nobody. Yeah. So the fact that they were able to do it with a free agent guy that wasn't anyone with a big name that they had, yeah. they didn't have to break the bank or anything. It was one of the guys that initially is like, oh, here we go again. Okay, let's hope he can hold up or whatever, do enough. And he came in here, and maybe it was because of Dan Quinn and his magic to develop players and all that. But the fact that he was as uh, effective as he was. And and the thing is, he he was one of those quiet guys, you know, that you watch the game and he's not really someone that stands out and you're putting out a graphic like Jaron Kurt as well. Mm-hmm. No, he he's like silently done his job and really really well. So he definitely impressed me. Yeah, led the team in tackles. I mean. I'd like to say someone else, you know, like maybe the punter. I thought Brian Anger was was outstanding, yeah. uh, but but to come in like like you know in a position of need and, and and then to do it in a way of it was kind of unique. They they put him in different spots and he learned it and you know he came in here with trusting Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn trusted him and whether or not Curse is here next year, I think that 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 type of player is going to maybe. Help a little bit in free agency when you, when you, they sign some guys that you haven't heard of, and you're like, well, yeah, I don't know who much about him, but I didn't know much about Curse either, and you know, so I think J. Ron's the answer. Let me ask you this: uh, I know there was a lot made about the other safeties as well. You had Hooker, and you had um, uh, J. Ron Casey. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Casey. Looking at those two guys, what were your thoughts on on how they played? Obviously, J. Ron Curse is the one I think that really really popped. But the other two, I thought, contributed different good things at moments throughout the season. What were your thoughts with those two safeties? Both pretty good. I think, I think that um, when you come back from an Achilles injury, and Barry Church will be the you know a guy that can tell tell yeah. you that too, is that um, you, you're coming back and you're, you're getting yourself back going again, and, and you're doing most of the things you can do. But I think the second year they'll be even better, and I think the ceiling is higher for for Malik Hooker uh, than Casey, but. You know, I don't know if you signed both of them, but I think mm-hmm. either one that you signed would probably be pretty good. I'd like to keep Curse. I just don't see it, though. Yeah, for those two other guys, and I might be completely wrong about this, but I just have a feeling that had the defense, everybody else on defense not been as good, those two players 
would have struggled a lot more and it would have shown to the point where we would be criticizing them a lot more and talking about the safety position. As opposed to Curse, that to me, he's a player that what I saw from him, he can stand on his own and he can kind of do his thing. He's not going to be going to the Pro Bowl type of player, but he's going to do enough for you that I would feel like, oh, yeah, I definitely want him back because you need those players. That mm-hmm. is not a super a superstar. But for those two other guys, they did good. They did a good enough job. But had the defense not been as good, I just don't. Don't know if they would have yeah. been okay for the Cowboys. You mentioned Barry Church. I think he is a good comparable player when you talk about what J. Ron Curse is. Like like you said, he's not a guy that necessarily is going to be at the top of the league. Everybody's going to be talking about him. He's going to Pro Bowls every year. But he's certainly a guy that you ask the people in the building, they're like, that's a guy we really want and really need. Mm-hmm. Like he adds something to this defense. He has a good role for this defense. And I'm hopeful, Nick that they will figure out a way to be able to keep him. I don't know what that looks like. I hope Dan Quinn can help help in that because he's had a career before this and it wasn't nearly as good as what it was with Quinn. And so I think sometimes players are willing to say, hey, I think I can do more with this guy if you can get him a fair offer. Mm -hmm. Uh, It might not be the best offer, but if it's a fair offer, I think sometimes guys are willing to do that and we'll see where it all pans out. Yeah. All right, let's go on to – The Cowboys un- like signing their own people. So yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. I mean, you never know. You, at least – and I, I actually like that. You know what you got. I'd rather take a guy, especially a guy that I think's pretty good, I'd rather keep him than go back to the well and you don't really know how a guy's mm. going to fit. You don't really know what his personality is like, all those other things that, that you know about the guy that's already in your building. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's go to unsung hero. Who would be the unsung hero for this team? I struggle with that yeah. one. Really? Um, yeah. You want me to give you mine? Yeah. Yeah. Terrence Steele was mine. I think he's a guy that um, that came in and going into the season, I'll speak for myself, mm-hmm. I didn't think he was a very good player um, and was forced back into action after having to play so much last year and played, I thought, much better than he played last year. It doesn't mean he was perfect. That means he played much better. And here was the most interesting part. When Lyle Collins came back and, and became the right tackle yeah. again, I didn't really see a difference. Like, for me, Terrence Steele, for the amount of money he's making, was every bit as good as Lyle Collins. And maybe there were things the coaches saw that, that, that would dispute that. But from what I saw, they looked like comparable players to me. That means Terrence Steele in his second year is getting better. And, and so that's a guy for me that's an unsung hero that everybody doesn't give as much credit as I think they should. I had him as my biggest surprise because mm-hmm. he definitely surprised me. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the next. We one. might not get to it, but yeah, that's on there. Yeah, but but he, to me, he was the biggest surprise just mm-hmm. because we criticized him so much last and year and rightfully so. Yes, he didn't play yes. well last year. Yes, and I was one of the ones that was like, "Who is who is this guy?" And they need to get him out of there or whatever. And yeah, this year he came in, and the fact that. They did not struggle on that side, or it was to the point where we weren't commenting on it. And as soon as they made the change and moved Lyle Collins back into the mix and all that, you saw that was kind of the downfall for the whole offensive line. And when things kind of started changing a whole lot for for the struggles that they have uh, had last year. But for unsung hero, I keep going. I I can't think of a guy that was like all throughout the year, like fully done something like there are guys here and there like I want to think of okay a player like Dalton Schultz but then at the same time there are areas that he very much lacked in and and he wasn't always great so I I do you have your, have uh, your I mean on, on some here? that's probably you know I, I was thinking Schultz I was thinking anger uh that's where anger would probably would go in there for me mm-hmm. um Doris Armstrong is an, an is another one too yeah but um 
you know, I wanted Anger as the as the best free agent, well, but I thought it was cursed. I'll give you guys another one I think is Cedric Wilson because yes. Cedric oh, Wilson showed up and had some games for you that mm-hmm. you really needed him to have. That doesn't mean he's perfect. Like, again, he is not a number one receiver, maybe not even a number two receiver, but there were moments when he had to step in and, and play the number three receiver role, and he did a pretty good job with it and sometimes ended up being the receiver that made most of the plays in the game that you needed. And so – um, again, I just think based upon what he was and the role they were asking him to play, I thought he was he was heroic for this team at times this season. So I would put him in that category Absolutely. as well. Yeah. Yes. All right. Um, biggest disappointment. What was the biggest disappointment of this season outside of the fact that they got to the playoffs and yeah. lost in the first round? Um, I answered this yesterday on a, on a um, story we put on there, and you know I, I get it that he he's in the Pro Bowl. But um, I, I I was disappointed in the way that CD. I thought CD was going to take even a bigger jump um, than he did. He, his numbers were were pretty good, but after training camp, I thought, man, he was about to just take off. I mean, he was making a highlight catch every single day, and I don't think he made hardly anything like that in during the season. And and it wasn't like he was going up against someone bad. He was going up against Trayvon Diggs, you know, but. Um, I just thought he was going to take off to a level that that it was about ready to take over the league. Um, he had a good year and, and a good enough to to make it as a Pro Bowl alternate, but I I was disappointed, especially at the end of the year, one catch and all that. I think mm-hmm. and maybe disappointed not just with him, but how they used him. Yep. So. Amber, I would say the running game. I would say Ezekiel Elliott and, and the combination with Tony Pollard because. You know what you got with Dak. You know what, or you think you know what kind of player he is at this point of his career. And then the O line, you know what you got there too. And the struggles that you know, oh, here Tyron Smith out again, and now you got to plug in another guy. So you kind of know the deal with that area. But then the running game, and I know they struggle even in past years and all that. But I expected a lot more. And I know Zeke was dealing with an injury. Injury, and I mean, I salute him for always being there and going at it. But at the same time, I just I I really expected a lot more from the running game and the Cowboys trying to utilize uh, even Tony Pollard throwing him into the mix at times that maybe Zeke needed a little bit more rest, even if you had him playing a whole game or all that. But anyways, running game. That you, was the biggest disappointment. Mine actually goes along with yours, Amber, but uh, I'm going to say the offensive line. I think the biggest problem with the running game was the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I think those running backs were capable enough. I think that what we saw a lot this year is before, as soon as they were getting the ball, before they could even get to the line of scrimmage, they were getting hit. There were, weren't holes being made. Dak was running for his life quite a bit this year, especially in the second half of the season. And it's really disappointing because – for a long time here in Dallas, um, we have had the luxury of not really worrying about this offensive line other than injuries. When you're healthy, you're like, oh, everything's going to be fine once they're healthy. This year, by the time you got to the point where you had Zach back, I'm sorry, you had uh, Tyron back, Lyle was in there, you had Zach Martin in there. I don't care what else you had at guard and center. Typically, when you got your lineup in there, when you got your starters in Dallas, we've been used to for the last, I don't know how many years we've been used to, once you get your guys you should be okay. And that was not the case in that playoff game. Uh, they got beat up. On the offensive line got beat up in that game. And that's when I was I was kind of – I came to the realization that I really think, for me, the biggest challenge they have this offseason is figuring out how they can remake this offensive line. Because without the offensive line playing at a, a good clip, like playing really well, everything else will fall apart. 
And uh, and so I think that's their biggest problem. So for me, that was the biggest disappointment for this year. All right. Before we end the show, uh, let's quickly get to the last question. What was the biggest surprise of the season? Uh, for me, Diggs. I mean, I, I thought he was going to be a good player. I didn't think he was going to be like that. Um, I, I think I was I was surprised about the way he was able to to play um, just at a at an elite level like that, and to, and to be a to be a ball hawk and take the ball away at that, that, that clip. I mean, mm-hmm. That was amazing. To me, it was Dan Quinn, and I'm not trying to be a pessimist or anything. But I've, <laughs> I remember our conversation about this. The, I mean, after my years of working here, I'm more. I've gotten to become more of like I'll believe it when I see it type of person. And when it comes to yeah the Cowboys, but the fact that Dan Quinn came in here and I I, I had read about his resume and I heard everybody talking about him and how great he is with players and everything. So to me, um, that was the biggest surprise in the fact that he made he did he did what it was said he could do and he did it well yeah for me it was J. Ron Curse. we talked about him earlier but I think uh last year I remember at OTAs they were talking about he was getting a, a lot of looks and I was like what why is is it just everybody's hurt like what why is he out there and because I was like I've never really heard of this guy and and then we went to training camp and he was still getting a lot of opportunities I'm like wow okay they, they must think a lot of this guy and it wasn't until we got to the regular season and started seeing him play that you started seeing the vision of what Dan Quinn had for him and how well he fit that role. And I think that to me was a huge surprise. I just that came out of nowhere for me. I had no idea at the beginning of the year that he would be, in my opinion, one of the top three, four defensive players on this team for the season. Um, and that's what he was, I think. So I think that was the, the biggest surprise for me. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We're gonna be back next Wednesday. Uh, we'll talk a little about a free agency. We're going to talk about free agency, some of the guys that are up. We're going to talk about some contracts out there that the Cowboys probably will be looking at uh, to decide whether they want to change those contracts or whether they want to maybe get rid of those players. We'll talk about that stuff next week. Till then, for Nick Eaton and Amber Garcia, I'm Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys?